go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Love don't come easy. All right. Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing on backup vocals, it's Miss Mary Wilson. Mm. The Mississippi-born Detroit-raised vocalist achieved fame and fortune as one-third of Motown powerhouses, the Supremes. But the schemings of lead singer Diana Ross shattered Mary's confidence as the group's star rose through the 60s. We're learning all about her fulfilled dreams, her dashed hopes, and her long road towards self-actualization in her memoir, Dream Girl, My Life is a Supreme. Hell yeah. Hi, Molly. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's a little late for us to be doing this today, but I think we're going to power through and get a good episode out of it anyway. (laughs) I got to say, Supremes, uh, Motown in general, you know, I I know the hits. I know the basic contours of the story, but uh, this is not something that I have a tremendous amount of background in. So you're going to be guiding me along today. Baby, it's all hits. Mm-hmm. Motown would never make a non-hit. Just kidding. They made a lot of non-hits, non-hits. but you would never know it because they yes. they had their say. I learned all kinds of shit about I didn't know anything about Motown really besides the fact that they made catchy songs for mm-hmm. a long period of time yes. and created some of the factory. A hit factory. The more probably the towns. definitive the more towns. More towns. The more towns the better, right? I think they should uh I think they should less town less if town. you ask me. Yes. Just kidding. That's a, no, they should they should mow town. Yes, they should mow town. Everyone should town more. I was just there in Motor City. In How Detroit. was it? Uh horrifying, desolate, destroyed, scooped out by the vicissitudes of late twentieth century capitalism. Well, we're gonna kind of follow that My, project a little bit. I'll give a a, a uh one offhand fact about Detroit. One thing that I hadn't heard before to symbolize all the things is that our guide who who showed us around there uh, pointed out a, a, a phenomenon that he called land boats, okay. which is you'll be going down a random street in Detroit and there'll just be the hollowed out husk of a boat in the middle of it. Okay. And the thing about this is, is that people from the surrounding areas, the suburb, the more affluent suburbs will flip their boats by selling all the shit inside of it, all the components, the electronics, the fiberglass and yeah. stuff. Sell it for parts. Sell it for parts, basically. Uh, but then you're left with this uh, boat husk, yeah. aluminum husk that you would have to pay to recycle. Yeah. So because there are basically like no laws in Detroit and vast areas of pl- basically uninhabited places, they'll just drive these boat husks into Detroit and dump them in the middle of the street. So you'll be driving along through like a, a down, a like pretty urban neighborhood in Detroit yeah. and they'll just be like an upturned boat husk in the middle of the, of it be- from somebody who came in from out of slightly out of town to dump it there. That's eerie. Very eerie. The Lake, land boats. One of might say Lake Erie. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, that's, that's, that's crazy. Yes. When I was um, panicking about what to do with my life, my senior year of college, um, I spent a lot of uh, more time than you would think on uh, Detroit Craigslist looking up um, like houses and apartments. Yeah. Um, and then I moved to Brooklyn, which is the anti Detroit. It's, I would say it's way more expensive. Yes. Um, but you know, love lifts us up where we belong or something. I guess. Yeah. Con- concrete jungle, wet dream tomato. Um, so we are going to be lis- learning about a, uh, a star, a star, but a, a star, a shadowed star. A sh- this is an underdog memoir mm-hmm. in the stylings of our, our old friend, um, whose name I've already fucking forgotten because 
I guess he's not Alice Cooper. You know, his his uh oh, Alice yes. Cooper's bassist. Yes. Oh god damn it. Um I don't know, Greg or something. He Mar- Mary's um Mary's got some stories to tell from yes. from the background, 30 feet from stardom. Uh 10 10 feet from semi stardom. <laughs> 10 feet from semi stardom. I mean, she's we'll 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 get into it. What how do you feel about the Supremes? Dennis Dunaway. Dennis Dunaway. Was the basis from, from Greg, Alice Gre- Cooper. Greg, Greg Craig. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Every time I remember Greg Craig exists, I, I, I have a minor breakdown. You chortle anew. Well, actually, I should say before before we, we get into to Mary and into the Supremes, I do want to bring up um, an and introducing alum, uh, Anthony Kiedis, who's back in the news. Keeds. Uh, Anthony Kiedis got kicked out of a Laker game um, uh, on uh, Sunday, Sunday, the October 21st last night. Um, he... <laughs> What I gather happened is that there was some some rowdiness on the court between members of the Houston Rockets and the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and so a couple of players Los got Los ejected. Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> there was some complifonications <laughs> on uh, on the court. Uh-huh. Um, that 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 phrase was lifted from I think. Um, uh, click hole. Uh, well, several players were ejected, including. Um, Chris Paul? Chris Paul. Is that a man? Yes. That's a man. That's a man. That's a human man. He's Chris got, Paul. He's got a basketball name like me. He's um he's of course we you know, he's a fellow YouTuber to Logan Paul and Jake Paul. <laughs> yeah, he's their um, older brother. He's their older brother who who plays basketball good. Um Chris Paul got ejected. Kitas started basically courtside started screaming at him and flipping him off, and it got him eighty sixth. Oh god. Um he looks ridiculous he looks like uh, oh god what is he wearing he looks like jason schwartzman should play him in a movie where like something has gone wrong with his life and he needs to fix it jason schwartzman god he, i would he's never got think like of. a jaunty mustache and a jaunty pair of spectacles spectaculars dude long Keats, hair. i gotta tell oh man he is looking schwartzman-esque these days yeah god i i really gotta say the mustache is not working for you dude you look like the gym teacher people warn you about. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like the gym teacher in in Big Mouth, actually, kind yeah, of. Yeah, he kind of does. Um, yeah, Keeds Keeds is uh keeping the flame strong of uh, civil civil disobedience. Yes, <laughs> courtside disobedience. Yikes! Oh man! But um, shout out to Keeds, keeping it. Keeping it, keeping keeping it, it awkward, I keeping don't know. it spicy, yeah. keeping it red hot. I've, I hopefully was there with him being like, shut, dude, shut up. Sometimes they let me play the national anthem here on base. <laughs> it's a good gig. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, uh, Supremes. The Supremes. So how do you feel about the Supremes? Good. Good band. Good songs. A uh, lot, of, lot of classics uh, of the like, you know, five or so that they continue to play on radio almost 60 years after they were recorded i mean that's that's staying power slash boomer magic boomer magic yeah yeah keeping the same songs on the radio since they were kids a lot of soundtracking either beginning or ending of of rom-coms yes um, yes that's true these are uh these are the songs that play over the uh generic helicopter shot of whatever city your rom-com is set in yeah and it's gonna set the tone for a, a yes. an hour and a half of of missed opportunities. Because you know what, you can't hurry love. It does take ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes it to takes unfold until the hijinks. goddamn third act of the the movie. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I like I like the Supremes. I like everything I've heard of the Supremes. I have no problem with the Supremes. They they helped to kind of invent pop music as we know it, mm-hmm. and people are still making music that's very much like the original Bones or the Supreme songs. Yeah, I feel like Bruno Mars is like half Supremes. <laughs> yes, yes, is, Bruno Mars. Yeah. Which is chill and cool. Um, you they, can't deny those chord progressions. No, as I was saying, they they do have those like five songs or so you'd still hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. But as I'm going through uh, their collections right now, you know their their ultimate collection has like got like sixty or something songs on it, and I'm sure like mm-hmm. deep in the B sides there, there are some uh, uh, hidden gems oh, of, yeah. of the collection that hopefully we'll learn about a little today. I think we maybe will. Um, let's talk about Mary. Mary is, she's here to set the record straight. Um, <laughs> so this is straight off the bat, this is a memoir with an agenda. It's a, yes, it, it definitely is. And I need to pause and um, re-look up uh, when this book was published because it was a little bit, this was published in 1986. So this is kind of in the same generation of the Ronnie Spector memoir yes. of like, it's not, I feel like there's two generations of like the late 80s and then, 2011 yes when like everyone else was like oh you can you can write a memoir about your life and people will care yeah well it's like because the these early 60s the 50s and 60s rock stars all had like five-year careers yeah like, the people who got big in like the mid 50s and like the real first generation of, of like rock stars mm-hmm. all had careers that lasted about five years or to like 19 at least in their original yeah. Like, iteration yeah before they became like novelty acts or, or also rands while again the, the review stars yeah review, the review. Right? whereas the the real like 60s gen rock stars had careers that lasted 40 years yeah and then they have 40 yeah. years of so you it's know, like if you, stories to tell. if you got your first hit in 1961 you were washed up by 1966 and and, and ready to make like a comeback like a hot sassy comeback in the in mid to late 80s yeah. well maybe more accurately if you were a woman who got your first rocket in 1961 you were washed up by 1966 if you were a dude who got your first rocket in 1964 you could have foreseeably made it until like the aughts being it's a true. viable artist it's true that's such as the meat the meat grinder of pop in which we, we yeah. grind on the on the daily uh let's get this bread um <laughs> Mary, so she opens the book and she's basically talking about how she, after like 10 years of being in the Supreme, she's transitioning to a solo career. And at the time, she said people assumed, um, quote, I was broke uh, looking through old scrapbooks of my Motown days, like some sort of pop music Mish Havisham with, <laughs> with a wedding cake made of gold records. She That's knows. awesome. That's great. That's she a, knows. a great image. And she says it had taken 10 years of singing oohs and ahs in the background for me to lose my confidence. Aww. So she was like, she she was rebuilding after yeah. um, what I think maybe outsiders would perceive to be as like a, a very pleasant uh, type of pop semi-stardom. And she was like, actually, yeah. no, this is kind of agony. Um, so she's, she's like, she's here to, to rectify her, her reputation, her history. She opens, we open in um, at the uh, the 25th anniversary of Motown, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but that's when um, that's the performance where Michael Jackson moonwalked for the first time to Billie Jean. Oh, yes. That was televised, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. That was a big television special. Big okay. deal. Yes. Um, so she says that for, you know, she's kind of watching in the, from the background. Adam Ant saying, where did our love go? <laughs> sure. Uh, 
she, she was confused. I want I want you to pull this up because you, you want me to see watch. if I can find a little uh, where did our, Adam at where did our love go? Yeah, because I think you're gonna be tickled by this. Did you watch this beforehand? I watched a, a, a little bit of it. Yeah. Oh my god, this is already weird. Thank you very much. And at this time, ladies and gentlemen, here is one of England's biggest stars, Mr. Adamant. Is this like John Denver introing it? Who is this guy? I thought it kind of looked like David Cassidy, but <laughs> yeah, I don't actually like know. Oh, fuck. I already love this. I knew you were going to. Baby, 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 don't leave me. Fucking bouncy ass synth bass lines. Yeah. He's wearing white leather cowboy boots and an empty white leather holster, pistol holster around his waist. It's a symbolic empty holster. This is great. Yeah. So that, those are the vibes. Yeah. Um, Supremes took the stage. Mary says she she saunters out from stage left doing her slowest Detroit strut, just like we <laughs> used to do in the projects. Um, they start singing their songs. Diane literally pushes Mary to the side as they sing the song, Someday We'll Be Together. Um, and then there's this whole sort of comedy of errors of like... Uh, uh, other Motown artists noticed that Diane pushed her. People like gasped. People bum rushed the stage so they could all sing this song. Oh, Diane's God. like, no, no, like what the like stop. And then there's a group photo where Diane somehow like comes down from the rafters to like be in the middle of the whole thing. And she's you know, this this is three years ago as, yeah, of, as the of the writing of the yeah, book. Yeah. So I feel wow. like she Mary's like pissed that this happened. This seems like uh, MTV Video Music Awards uh, level entertaining disorganization. Yeah, it's messy. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna let you finish, but Mary Wilson was the best backup singer of all time. <laughs> um, she she kind of introduces uh, the character of of Diana Ross's. She calls her Diane because that's her name. Oh yes. Um, she assumes first the, off the A mm, pretentious pretentious. <laughs> She she started as Diane and then became a Diana, okay. uh, for better or for worse. Well, I got to say she's right. Diana Ross sounds, uh, flows better than Diane Ross. Diane Ross sounds just like, you know, the girl yeah. next door. Like a yeah, secretary or something. Yeah. Um, and she says, but she never refers to her as Diana in the book. She mm. continues to call her Diane. I see. I see how it is. Um, kind of like how uh, Dennis Dunaway basically kept calling Alice Cooper um I'm, I guess. Where I'm, are your Alice Cooper facts? Where are my Alice I Cooper don't names? Alice Cooper's real name either. Vincent. Vincent. Yes. Kept calling him Vincent. Yeah. Uh, Mary says, Diane and I knew each other like books. She has done many things to hurt, humiliate, and upset me. But strangely enough, I still love her and I'm proud of her. Frenemies. <laughs> is, yeah. she, is, she, is she a terrible, awful, redeemless human? Yes. Am I the saint who continues to love her? Also, also yes. yes. Um, we'll take it back to the beginning. Mary Wilson was born on March 6th, 1944 in Greenville, Mississippi. Uh, she was named, her father named her after his ex-girlfriend that was not her mom. Okay. <laughs> um, she moved in with her mom's sister, her aunt, Aunt Ivy. There's so many people that you could just say Mary was named for, i.e. the Virgin the Mary. The Virgin Mary. But or when, when you're Mary asked, Magdalene. Yeah. There's some biblical when you're asked who you're ma- named for. You you really have to just go with the truth there. 
Oh yeah. Just just do a white lie. You don't you don't have to. Yeah. Or just like, I don't know. I just I just liked it. It's like one of the five female names. Yeah. I don't know. It's awkward. Um she moved in with her aunt Ivy and her husband uh in to Detroit in nineteen forty eight. Um like middle class black life, which was like kind of relatively new at the time. And as um, I just learned, relatively fleeting. Yes, absolutely. Um, they were the first family on the block to have a TV. She said every Congrats. year, um, daddy bought a shiny new Chrysler for himself and a stylish Chevrolet for mom. Every year? Every year they got two new cars. What? Oh my God, the 50s were fucking wild. You get a car and you get a car. Nice and like nice sexy cars too. Yes. Damn. Um, but Ivy's like, she's sort of a parent figure to Mary, but she's very critical, very perfectionist. Um, and this kind of instills timidity in Mary. And she says it's a fear of authority and a reluctance to speak out. Um, it also causes uh, a bedwetting problem, which poor Mary has when oh, she's no. like a, a young kid. No, that's so awful. this poor girl, she's like her, her substitute mom, her aunt is like really harsh as a parent. So I'm gathering that self-esteem, self-confidence is going to be a, a early and running theme. Lifelong life. problem. Um, and so her mom eventually comes up to Detroit. They moved to the Brewster projects in 1956. Um, and so this is like, I, I feel like their life is still relatively middle-class in the sense that like at that time, yeah. it wasn't a shitty place to be. Right. It was like a community. Sure. Um, she, again, for like, Five years right. in the 50s, yeah. Until, you know, white yeah. supremacy just fucking corrodes everything. Yes. Cool, cool. Um, she is introduced to rock and roll on the radio. She listens to groups such as Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Wait, can I find some Frankie Lyman? Yeah. Did uh, I share this anecdote in the... Um, in the Ronnie Spector episode where Ron Ronnie meets Frankie and he's like uh, 18 or something, but he's already like wasted. He died, he died young and tragically. Um, but she remembers being like, I was in love with this dude. And then he came over and he was super drunk and was like trying to make out with me. And I was totally turned off. That's Frankie Lyman. <laughs> here's a, uh Here's Frankie Lyman, the teenagers. Why do fools fall in love? This was on WNEW New York, 1956. You know, we've talked an awful lot about a lot of moods and their reflections in terms of music. But now we come to a mood that is the product of our present generation. The bubbling enthusiasm of our teenagers was the inspiration for what is now the most popular style of music in the country. Remember when teenagers were like a new thing? Yes. <laughs> well, for our generation, that's like, well, that's the code word of millennials, which yes. really just means like rootless 20-somethings who are secretly the teenagers of this, of this generation. It is now the number one record in America. Ooh, they're emerging from a giant cardboard radio. Good, good. You know, about every 40 years, the, the window of youth gets pushed push back another decade. Yes. At least now in, in post-industrial society. You guys yes. are the teenagers. That's right, Mr. Lane. Come on, boys. Let's sing our song. <laughs> these teenage, the age range of these teenagers right, is, I would say, 8 to 20. Cool, cool. All right, I'm going to skip forward a little bit and hear them sing. For my voice changes. <laughs> <laughs> how yeah. like jazz and swing yeah, yeah. music no, like is, turned into this no this is absolutely a great example of how like all that 
big band stuff, you know, that we were listening to uh, three episodes ago, I believe. Louie. With Louie. Yeah, ter- got kind of combined into with, you know, backbeat and uh, a bunch of other musical trends at the time to turn into this. Just make it. Just like vocal groups. Make it something you can dance to. But then also imagine this as like fucking panty wedding scream and pass out like girl like music for young girls yeah why do fools fall in love why why though um so it was a thing in um mary's neighborhood to just like create singing groups Mm -hmm. there were like dozens and dozens of these groups um, it's just like, if you can sing, that's what you do. That's the social move. Right. Um, so she links up with her, um, fellow residents of the projects. There's Florence Ballard and there's Diane Ross, along with some lady named Betty, who like is kind of a part of their initial history. And then just, she's she like, the, I'm getting married. <laughs> she's the, the fourth, uh, destiny's child. She's like, yeah, she's kind of like the Latoya, the Latavia, but no, she, She's like around, but she clearly doesn't like give that much of a shit. And then she gets engaged and she's like, fuck this, I'm out. Um, But so they start this group called the Primettes. And they're (laughs) basically supposed to be the female version of a group, a male group that already exists called the Primes. Um, They're managed by this guy named Milton Jenkins. It's a good 50s music manager name. Yes. Um, Several members of the Primes eventually become the Temptations. Oh, okay. So like... So from the beginning, they, they're like brother-sister groups. Yes, yes. Um, the girls of the primates, um, they're all like they bond instantly. They spend all their time together. They're singing together. Mary does notice Diane's uh, aggressive side, which she's, you know, finds that missing in herself. For example, Mary will wear wild color combinations like all blue and green. <laughs> and Diane will say, Mary, what are you wearing? Those colors don't go together. Wow. She's just so aggressive. A, she's a little shady, um, a little little reed e. Uh, the the primates at the time their first gig is at a gigantic party for a large local union. Ooh, yeah. Um, like, this is like real motherfucking fifties hours. Not real, real motherfucking nineteen fifties hours. Real Detroit hours. Yeah. Um, they. I. What I love is that the primates managed to kind of stand out in the gigantic musical fray because they found a guy to play guitar for them. Ooh, they have a guitarist. Wow. Oh my god. They're they're just really almost a rock band. Really, just like tiptoeing up to that line. Yeah. Um, and so they, they're kind of gigging around town. They're dying to get signed to Motown, which is like the upstart local mm-hmm. label founded by Barry Gordy. Um, so they, they're like kind of hanging out at the Motown office. Apparently Motown would do this thing where they would just like make hot lunch for whoever was around. Sure. God damn. <laughs> um, and, uh, just a little like Motown primer. Um, uh, Barry Gordy was 27 mm-hmm. when he started Motown. He had been a prize fighter, a serviceman, a jazz record store owner, an auto assembly line worker, and a husband. <laughs> That's amazing. That's like, uh, th- this is like in the do- in the fucking dollops yeah. where they like lists like, he had been a bricklayer, a pugilist. He had served in the army and then has fathered two children. He was 17 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's always like Irish dudes, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I was like, in Ireland, he, you know, yeah, like yeah. laid laid bricks and then he, you know, yeah. he, he was a mason and a and a, a lusty song singer of songs. Yeah. But that's why this idea of teenagers was so revolutionary because yeah. before like, I don't know, 1943, 
by time you were 23 years old, you were basically on your way to retirement. Yeah. You had either died in a war yes. or of illness yes, or you were already basically like where a, your grandfather or, you yeah. know, your parents were when they yeah. were like 40. Yeah. You were like a union foreman, uh, uh, like girder bolter by time you were 22 and you're like, ah, the wild of youth is behind me. This is what I'm going to do until I retire at the ripe old age of 31. Yeah. You like you owned a house. Yes, you were a buying car. a car. Or you, a car a year. Your children already Burned owned into houses. Cars like Fliff. <laughs> cars, cars, not even counting them. <laughs> um. Yeah. So he had had some history behind him, and he he was involved in music. I think he did he did some songwriting, some singing, but um, it, he collaborated with the singer Jackie Wilson, who had a hit, and like uh, Barry Gordy's just a an, an entrepreneur, a disruptor. <laughs> yes, of, he was a disruptor of um, you know what yes. what the music business yeah. was supposed to be. He's like, what if we just had yeah, a he, bunch of singers and a bunch of songwriters and a bunch of musicians, and we pay them a very little, <laughs> <laughs> but we have them around. Same as it ever was. Same as ever. So the yeah. real disruption is figuring out new and innovative ways to pay people less to do the same amount of work but make them feel uh not just like not just sort of fulfilled but like genuinely grateful yes that they're part of there. a team yeah it's like team 10 kind of team 10 is like the current yes. is that the name of the i don't know why i keep talking logan about jake paul, paul or logan jake paul. paul and chris paul yeah and chris paul all members of t team 10 yeah um the houston rockets are a subsidiary of team 10 yeah jake paul's gonna be the new manager of the Houston rockets <laughs> watch it happen no yeah i can't wait for the first youtuber owned basketball franchise <laughs> um so at first they uh, the the primates who become the supremes eventually uh the primates are considered too young to be signed yes. they're like we don't want to deal with these like 14 year old girls <laughs> sure too much responsibility they do motown does steal their guitarist who becomes one of the miracles okay, smoky great. smoky so robinson's group um but then they get signed for real eventually by the time they were like 16 they were kind of coming to the end of their their high school careers um <laughs> no 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 we can't deal with these 14 year olds let us get back to us when you're mature advanced 16 year olds <laughs> right right um, she, Mary says that, uh, you know, at this stage of their career, she gets a little shade and she says, not everyone cared for Diane's voice, which was sometimes <laughs> shrill, but Barry seemed to like it. <laughs> she is, she is, uh, uh, mistress of the neg in this book. She's, oh my God. The, the neg is very strong in this book. Um, so the Supremes <laughs> primates still, they get signed. Like, so fucking bold to write a, a book about being in the Supremes and being like, not everyone liked Diana Ross's voice. <laughs> this book is Fucking a subtweet. Owns. Yes. This is the it, longest subtweet of all time. That's like a partial genre of some of the memoirs that we read is like the sub memoir. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan. Get it. Let it out. Um, so the Supremes are joining, you know, the Temptations, uh, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. Uh, shortly after they joined Motown, gets their first ever number one song, which is Please, Mr. Postman. Please, Mr. Postman. <laughs> I don't actually remember how the. I'm sure the song is about uh, the joys of mail. It's about how nice it is to have a tax-funded mail service. Yes, this this is a joy about uh, this is a song about the the value of municipal services. Yeah. So this is 1961. 
<laughs> Wait. This. <laughs> so, so th- I mean, this has all the this has all the signature. Yeah. Got the hand claps. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the backing vocals. What I was just gonna say is that was this would make me want to look and see what was what else was on the charts around here just to hear how different this might have sounded yeah. as other things that were on the radio at that time. I just want to note that um, the Marvelettes follow-up single mm-hmm. was called Twistin' Postman. <laughs> uh, it is partially based on the then-current twist dance move. Sure. The song's subject is a sequel of the original Postman single, and this time, the narrator is finally happy that the Postman has delivered from a narrator's boyfriend. Oh my god. Uh, I feel like they haven't figured out what makes groups popular. <laughs> They're like, is it singing about mail? <laughs> <laughs> what do people like about this song? Okay. It's just like them on a cho- in a sweaty late night meeting, like brainstorming the next song, and just a chalkboard with the word mail on it r- circled a billion times. Yeah. They're just A-B testing at this yes. point. They're like, okay, so let's try another song about mail, and if that doesn't work, then we need another song with the same chord progression. Yeah. yeah. If that doesn't work, then maybe we'll try the same BPM. Uh, maybe we can do like something about firemen or something. Or maybe it's like the politeness, like we need another song with like a please, please or a in the thank title. you. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the bottom yes. of this. We'll, fi- we'll figure out what people like. Do you think it's it's maybe like the sounds and the singing? No, no, no. No, no, we, no. It's something about the title of the it's song. It's definitely the mail. Um, yeah, the, you, this this sound is already, it's It's, it's pretty developing. solid, yeah. Um, the Supremes, their initial contract with uh, Motown sucks. Um, if they sell <laughs> running theme, uh, or or is that on our bingo card? Uh, shitty, shitty contract. Shitty contract. Um, yes, yeah, check. It should be. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll add that to it. Um, if if they if they cut a record that sells a million dollars, each one of them will get five thousand dollars. <sighs> Bad contract. Or sorry, yeah. If if their record sells a million copies, mm-hmm. they get each, five thousand yes. each. Wow. Um. So that's like Spotify level. Yes. Um. <laughs> nothingness. Yeah. Get your residuals up. So they get signed, and originally, you know, Mary's like, we all have our strong suits. We all have our different vocals. We sing lead on different songs. Mm-hmm. Like we are an equal, an equilateral triangle. Right. Uh. And but it's clear that Diana has designs on being the, the lead. Yes. Um, and uh, the Supreme Supreme, the Supreme Supreme. <laughs> that, I mean, even the title of the Supremes is a, yeah, yeah. is a fallacy. There can only be one. Yes. You can't have three Supremes. Yes. Uh, is it the Supreme and the Supremettes? Uh, the, she, Mary kind of nails the the dynamic between uh, the girls. She says, what each of us saw in the other two were the parts of herself she lacked or couldn't assert or tried to deny. Flo's earthiness, my nice guy demeanor, and Diane's aggressive charm. We accidentally discovered that three separate, incomplete young girls combined to create one great woman. <laughs> A Gundam of uh, musical mastery, of, of feminine power. Mm. The Yeah. I'm sorry, not a Gundam, a Voltron. A Voltron? I'm sorry. I, I I botched that reference and I apologize to all our anime fans out there. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mr. Postman. Sorry, Mr. Postman. Please uh, don't send me mail about my anime. There, uh, the Supreme's first record is "I Want a Guy." I want it's, a guy. I want a guy. It's not. It's not a hit. It's not a hit. Let's see if I can find that. And while you're looking for that, um, Barry Gordy described the Motown songwriting sort of signature approach as. It's not my girl broke up with me, but my girl's breaking up with me. Ooh, it's about the kind of immediacy yeah. of the emotion. It's written in the present tense, not in the past. Yeah. Here's a little uh, my I want a guy. I want a guy. Ooh, listen to that Farfisa organ. Uh-huh. 
an aggressive piccolo. There's a lot, lot going on in this. Yeah, it's a little... Uh, I'm sorry. You need to have a regular time signature if you're going to have a hit in the early 60s. Yeah. You're fre- fresh out the gate. Yeah, these women a- of 4-4. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is a little melodramatic. <laughs> is it like calliope organ shit? No, this that the pause kills it. They the yeah, momentum. They, they, I think they just want, added one too many elements of this song. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a camel. It's you over. Know? Yeah, they, they put too too many things on it. It's a little over overwritten. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they they record some other songs. They keep kind of trying but they're known internally as the no-hit Supremes. Oh, shit. Um, which is, they have several years of not not having anything stick on the charts um, while other people uh, Are succeed. Are in and out, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mary's talking about the atmosphere. They're like, everyone is in love with Marvin Gaye. Like, everyone. I mean, sure. He, they're like, he's so cute. She said, he's a prince. And he wears um, a variety of hats. He loves hats. Uh, she says Stevie, Stevie Wonder would run up and pinch ladies on their bottoms and tell... How? Uh, how? What do you mean how? How did he have the accuracy? Life finds a way, man. I, I just... I, I'm, you know, there are theories out there. Uh, there are oh, speculations. He's landed a plane. There are speculations about his uh, his his uh, condition, um, and I think that being able to run up and uh, target a specific area, I'm just I'm just asking questions. Yeah, you're just yeah, sure. Um, no, who was it? Earth, Wind, and Fire. Maurice, Maurice White, White said, said that, that he, he landed, landed a plane. plane. Impossible. If Look, you can something land, going if on you can land a plane, you can certainly pinch a bottom. Yes. Um, he also had a prank where he would tell the girls uh, what they were wearing. Um, which is funny because he he can't see what they're wearing. Yes, and because again, he's blind. That, that again brings me back to like where how did he find the bottoms? <laughs> how did he find the bottoms? This sounds like a like the tagline for American Vandal season yes. three. How did he find, find the, the bottoms? bottoms? Um, he found them. How did he find those butts? Ma, Motown goes on tour in 1962. Did um, they like take the whole gang? They take the whole gang. The Supremes get to go. It, the idea being that, you know, the more exposure for them, the better. Like if, hopefully we can find somebody for these guys. By the way, the, the cover of Meet the Supremes, uh, which I assume is their, their first record, is very cool. Um, very describe, like, uh, describe it to me. Pretend, pretend um, I can't, can't see their bottoms. Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Uh, it's a very early 60s design uh, where it's like bright red color. Uh, and the, the word Supremes is in a, a yellow font. Uh, oh of, yeah, uh, flared out. It, it honestly looks like uh, some Tarantino would rip it off for this the graphic cool design. Yeah. As shit. Yeah, it's a good cover. Yeah, that's some sick typography. Yeah, and the they're all sitting in little windows with like cute but conservative dresses and wearing white gloves on stools. I it's love good. it. Their fits are definitely a part of a whole a whole part of their aura and mystique. Yeah. Um, so they yeah they go on tour. Um, they quote, face bigotry head on um, in the I South. Imagine. Southern gas stations refuse to uh, fix their bus, maintain their bus. Restaurants refuse to serve them. Um, they get shot at oh, in Jesus. Birmingham. Their bus gets shot at. And so Mary's perspective is like, she has grown up in Detroit mm-hmm. where you can be a middle-class black person. Yes. And you can, like, that can be your entire life and you don't know what this kind of... Mm-hmm 
prejudice even looks like. Right. And so they, you know, they're in the bus and hearing from restaurants being like, you have to get, you have to go around the back to get served. And everyone's like, fuck that. Yes. Cause like, why would, why would we do that? Yes. It's great. It's, I mean, it's insane. Um, but she says they have a lot of fun on their tour despite occasionally despite getting, getting shot, shot at. at. Jesus. Cool. Uh, look, I did not get shot at uh, when I was on tour. Uh, I'm, so I'm glad. I can only imagine. I'm glad. But we haven't done the South yet, so we'll see. That would that would stress me out. Um, I think it would probably stress stress you guys out too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The they haven't had a hit by 1963, so they've been signed for like two years at this point. <sighs> And they're getting to be up there in what eighteen years old range. Yeah, getting real, real wrinkly yeah, yeah. and all dried up. Um, so Barry Gordy takes he creates a marriage between the Supremes and um, the songwriting team Holland Dozier Holland. Holland Dozier Holland. HGH. Um, it's like HGH for your song. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, and so at this point, HGH had hits like Heat Wave. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a dance to keep from crying. That that wow, sentiment wait. has definitely survived the test of time. Yeah, I I got a dance. I got a dance to keep from crying. I do appreciate the the deep layer of melancholy mm-hmm. that seems to pervade many of these early Motown yes songs. You know, it's all about again, as you said my baby is leaving me or mm-hmm. this longing desire that doesn't seem that it's going to be, um, you know, uh, requited at any time soon. You know, uh, a lot of, a lot of wishing against odds, a lot of wishing, hoping, thinking, praying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And the, cr- the, the crying on the dance floor. Yeah. Um, this is a ver- very early, uh, strain of sad dance music. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah. became among my favorite genres of, of things. All this, this shit's, quite bittersweet man it is it's very bittersweet but this is like an incredibly upbeat song listen to the it's my party and i'll cry if i want to yeah exactly but that's so relevant there is a that's that's such an internal teen message yes yes that's relevant for for whether you're you're three or you're 63 you you can understand that message it just reminds me of a, a tweet that i saw i think last year that was like someone said that uh, this girl who's in the club right now crying, it's my fucking birthday, is the most Scorpio shit I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. That's just, you gotta dist- distill that sentiment into a pop song. Uh, are, is Motown a Scorpio record label? Uh, yeah, in some ways. It's a little hard on sleeve. Scorpios mm-hmm. are a little more sus. Reserved. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, in some ways, the connection of of, of love and sadness. Yes. Hey, as Ja Rule once said, pain is love. I think he said that. He <laughs> <laughs> might as well have said that. Quoth Ja Rule. Quoth <laughs> from the Book of Rule. From the Book of Rule. <laughs> <laughs> rule 2718. Pain is love. Uh, yeah, so uh, Barry Gordy's like, all right, we're taking our hit hit songwriters. We're putting them on your team. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. Sh- he's shaking up the squads a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And he's also saying, he's like, I... Once and for all, Diane has the more commercial voice, and I want to use her as the sole Soul lead, lead singer. Mm-hmm. And Mary's spring. like, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, she's not thrilled. But what are you going to do? Leave the Supremes? No. Why not would you? Not after you sunk two years of your the prime of your teens into it. And like you know, so much of her her life at the like her entire life is is singing. So right. why, why would she throw away this? It's it's hard to find a group and like gel in a group. Right. Uh. Anyway, so she 
uh, HDH sings, uh, writes them some songs, which Mary thinks are childish, but it turns out that songs like Where Did Our Love Go, Come See About Me, and Baby Love are actually very popular yes. <laughs> with people. So these are their first um, their first chart hits, and they kind of immediately well, blow up. Well, let's listen up. to a little Baby Love. Great. Speaking of childish. Childish Gambino. Baby Love Gambino. I mean, this is very, like, lullaby-ish. Yeah. I think Mary thought she wanted to be more brassy, brazen, kind of, like, soulful. Like Smokey ra- Robinson. Yeah. Um, more, more like, diva-ish, yeah. frankly, than uh, this kind of softer, smoother. I mean, yeah, this is, this is cutesy. Mm-hmm. Purposely. But perhaps that's what they were just looking for, girl groups. At that time, yeah. Well, you have the or like, the sound the Ronettes, they, which yeah. are really like yeah. out, like putting it all out there, yeah. really um, intense and feisty. Well, I'd say this also works. I mean, I, I obviously they're affecting it for the song, but perhaps it, this kind of style works better for Diana Wa- Ross's voice. It's Her, sweeter, yes. You know, which Mary is like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> a fine. You know, it's it's one. It's a fine rock voice. <laughs> Mm, the saxes sound good in this recording. But you know what? The the backup vocals are fab. Yeah. Like, they're kind of amazing. Um, they're, like, just enough, like, yeah. off to feel like their own thing. Yeah. In a time when you don't have, like, you know, copy-pasted, you know, bellowing choruses or, or uh, mm-hmm. anything else to, you know, embellish the lead singer. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So they look as an editor and a bassist. <laughs> I appreciate the work that a backup singer is doing to to really make the the lead singer sign. As an editor, a bassist, and a man, <laughs> I so I salute you. Yes. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's I. It's a complicated psychology that she's trying to describe. Of like, on one hand, you are in a group, and the group has now become crazy popular right. but also it is not and without the the symmetry of the three yeah. on stage in your beautiful outfits the, the group is not it's not quite something i mean there's a reason that beyonce was with destiny's child for so many years and then went back to destiny's child yes well like did a solo album sisters. yeah well yes they are sisters they are family they're yes. blood for life um but destiny's child blood in blood out there, there's it's kind of a weird relationship where the lead singer needs you as the backup singer but also not yeah. too much. Right. And so you kind of have to fit into your role or otherwise yeah, you well, are replaceable in yeah. a way. And I'm sure they, they all learn to sing around each other in very mm-hmm. specific ways, you know? Yeah. But this is kind of the beginning of her losing her confidence because she's just getting pushed. She's out. just singing oohs yeah. and ahs. Um, so they, they're, they completely blow up. They go on Dick Clark's review, which just, if anything, reminds me that how like fucking old Dick Clark was. Oh my like, God, yes. He's just like a fossil around for He hosted fucking New Year's Eve until like 2010. <laughs> Dick Clark retire, bitch. I mean, I think, is he is he finally dead? He's like, he's like one of those Futurama, like the head, the yes. pickled head. Oh my God, absolutely. You, know, I mean, I know that there's always... Um, hologram. Now that he the Tupac hologram, yeah, no, he's dead. Uh, Dick Clark, rest in peace. But R. also, R. Dick Clark, you should have you should have taken taken a retirement much earlier. Emphasis on rest, Dick Clark. Yes. Um. The uh. I know 
holograms are constantly now trotted out as yeah. as opportunity. You know, Amy Winehouse, for example, her hologram, hologram is apparently going on tour, which I think is ridiculous. No. But Ooh, you know who Ugh. actually should be a hologram? <laughs> Dick Clark. Dick Clark. Yes, like Dick Clark from like 1963 hosting uh, New Year's Eve, or at least doing like an hour of it. Yeah. They should do Seacrest a break. Oh, this is, this would be so grim, but it would actually be kind of great. Uh, leading up to New Year's Eve, they should do holograms of the iconic TV presenters of like the 60s, 70s for like one yeah. hour, 60s, yeah. 70s, 80s, 90s. Do like Dick Clark, do like um, you know, Johnny Carson. Yeah. You know, Johnny Knoxville. Uh um, you know, Jay Leno. Yeah. Uh, you know, just off him right now so we can get straight to the hologram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can, do, be, the, he can be the 90s. Do one. it for, yeah, do, just uh, just end it end it all for the yeah. hologram. Yes. Do it for the public. Um, I, do, I think it would be funny to have like a hologram of Dick Clark being like, and this next group is uh, a bunch of young gentlemen who are really going to take the world by storm. I don't know what Dick Clark's accent is. And then just it's, have it be the Migos. <laughs> <laughs> the Migos. A bunch of fine young gentlemen with a flashy sense of style They're who I re- think you're really going to dig. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that'd be cool. So uh, the Supremes go from zero to 100 real quick. Um, immediately they go from no hit Supremes to doing things like recording a tribute to the British invasion called a bit of Liverpool. <laughs> that specifically mentioning Liverpool it is so unappealing in that Liverpool is a very Liverpool is a very unappealing thing. When I say contextless, just erase your brain. If I say the words a bit of Liverpool, what I'm, comes to mind? A disease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or to me, it's like a small bite of some kind of like, like horrible pudding. British. Yes, <laughs> just uh, it's just uh, li- it's just a bit of Liverpool. Well, then. Uh, what do you have on your cheek, Dan? It's just a bit of Liverpool. <laughs> oh, that I come out with some antibiotics, or or like um like a light beating. <laughs> just get we're just giving you a bit, a bit of Liverpool. Liverpool. Round back the round back the bar. Round back the bar pub. I need excuse well, me. Okay, do you want to hear the Supremes doing because? I, yeah, I really do. All I right, really let's, do. Let's listen to this. This is 1964. Uh, fucking Google the Supremes a bit of Liverpool because they look fucking fab on this record cover. Cool. Very cool, right? Honestly, the number one thing that's standing out for me is the uh, scratchy, clean Stratocaster guitar tone in the yeah. background. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. What kind of pedal are you using? Oh, clean. Clean? Straight into amp. See, see, now they've they've figured out how to fucking market these fucking groups. Yeah. They're what the people want. I just love it is that like the the speed at which the industry moved it went from British invasion to like I feel like a week later they must have been like we we got to get our girls on this. Yeah. They record the Supremes record foreign language albums in German and Italian. <laughs> they learn the lyrics phonetically. Amazing. Do you think you can find um like a German language Supreme song? That reminds me of when Monty Python uh got hired by Germany 
to do a sketch comedy shows in German uh, in the late seventies because the Germans were like, we don't have a sense of humor <laughs> and you do. Will you come here and bring it? it? Yeah. That they would write the scripts in English, get German translators to translate it and then learn the scripts phonetically in German. Um, and then get like a German dialect coach to, to not teach them how the language works really, but to tell them like, Oh, you're going to want to emphasize that syllable to make this joke make Work, sense. Yeah, it, which seems That's like insane. such an impossible task of yeah. comedy performance. Yeah, just imagine being like, "Be funny in Chinese." Yes, impossible. Now. Yeah. Um. Okay. Here's here's some. I think some German Supremes. We'll see if this works. No idea that this exists, and it's fucking awesome. Someone should like sample this for their cool, cool sampled song. Oh God, Jeremy, I love you, but it's a you have a uh, wildly unpretty language. Yeah, it's hard to. It's and it's a it's so multisyllabic that it's hard yeah. to fit fit that sentiment in there. Baby, baby, wo ist unser Liebe? Wo ist meine Liebe? Wo ist unser Liebe? <laughs> Imagine a German person saying that to you. Yeah, I, I mean, they're saying it all the time to each other. German people fall in love every day and they have to say it to, they have to pronounce their love to each other in their awful language. <laughs> I feel so bad. I took, I took a oh, year of German romantic. in college. I like German a lot, but it's, it's a I, it's. I think it sounds goofy. It's took, basically. It's basically silly English. I took German in high school, and I thought it was the language that makes the most sense. It does. It's very rational, but it's I think that logical. is also why it is not. Pretty. Well, love is not, and also love is not rational. Yes. <laughs> um, the they also the Supremes go on like TV shows and variety shows like on a weekly basis. Sure. They are forever on television. Great. Um, they're, they, they're, they're just in the mix right now. They're, they're in PR the mix. All, the, all around. They go on what they call their ghost tour because, and this is in Europe, why they, what do they call it a ghost tour? European press don't know how to photograph black people and so the exposures are all wrong and they oh, come out no. looking literally white in wow. photos. So they're, I mean, this is, it's kind of crazy. Like they're experiencing all this nutty stuff and then there's just stuff that they're just like yes i mean that that's crazy that there's like literally not technology to capture the english the image of of black people or that yeah or Or like they're they don't have the the skill or yeah Yeah. exactly i mean they still there i think that's like continues to be a problem in like tv yes and the like i saw i know your former employer uh can suck a major dick but mike did make a good video Uh, they made a good journalistic video which is something that occasionally people do about um how the dp of insecure is really good at at, uh lighting black folks yes um but they you know it's they also the supremes mary was talking about how like no one knew how to do their makeup for television because they didn't have the shades they were like, she's, yeah. So that's, it's, it, it's crazy that they're dealing with this stuff. 
Um, just shit that, that must be just baffling. Infuriating. Yeah. Just kind of like a, you know, microaggressions like, every day. Yeah. And stuff where you're like, I didn't even know that that could be a problem until it's like weirdly a you problem. You're making a problem. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, after they start being successful, Diana starts dating Barry, mm-hmm. Gordy, Ooh, okay. um, which is like the ultimate scam. Di- Diana is like, she's a, a schemer and a scammer. Yes. And you have to respect that. She's got she's, plans. She's hungry. She's yes. hungry. She's thirsty. Um, this is when she goes by Diana too. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm not Diane Ross anymore. Um, Excuse me. And so you, when you're dating the boss, you get, you get to call the shots through the boss. Right. Um, Mary also starts dating one of the four tops. I don't know if you can name any of the four tops, but his name is Duke. Okay. <laughs> she she dates one top. One of the tops. One, one top. top. Um, but Just she's, one top. But she also, she's dating one top. one top, but she's dating a lot of dudes. She's like, she's reveling in her, her singledom. Um, she's Stardom, like, I got boyfriends yes. in every city. Yes. Uh, she's like, she's we, got tops in every area. Top, tops Cop. in every area code. Uh, she says they would throw sloppy parties where uh, I can't count the mornings I woke up to find a guest lying face down on the black bear rug in the den. Ooh, that sounds great. Mary put mirrors on her bedroom ceiling mm-hmm. and then somehow some of the Motown brass found out and they were like, Mary, maybe you shouldn't do that. And she's like, why not? And they're like, it just sits, sits a bad impression. She's like, I don't really know what you're talking about. Can you describe <laughs> further? And they're like, no. <laughs> she's like, she's, she's enjoying herself. I yes. appreciate that. She's feeling herself. Um, but at the same time, uh, Diana starts answering interview questions for the other two Supremes. Ah, like, that is always obnoxious. And she starts taking, Mary notices that Diana starts taking makeup classes without them. Okay. She is a schemer. And um, like. She, know, she knows the ways to get what she wants. Like etiquette classes and like lang- like sort of finishing school type classes. So like she's trying to like make herself fully a star. a star. And she's doing it without them. And Mary doesn't appreciate that at all. I would not either. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not nice. Um. In 1965, Stop in the Name of Love comes out, another massive hit. Uh, let's, you want to listen oh, yeah. to that a little bit? It was a classic. I mean, they're all fucking classics. What am I even saying? <laughs> it's hard to even think about these as like songs that came out in like different eras in the same career, you know? It's like all these songs exist in the same like liminal state for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about how I'm trying to think of other other voices like Diana Ross's. Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, Ronnie Spector obviously has that like. But Ronnie's baby much voice. more of a. She has a bigger, beltier voice, right? But they both have that like kind of baby voice register, which I guess is a little bit of the style. Maybe also a little bit of how it's recorded at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. It's, it's just so sweet and gentle, but also powerful. But there's also like. Takes a lot of like vibrato. Yeah. You have to have a certain like clarity of tone. Can't be like a, a mumbly McMumble singing. No, I know. You know. And there's also that like uh, 
insistent quality of these Motown mm-hmm. the songs. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I do. I do feel like Diana Ross is a similar vocal quality to like young Michael Jackson. Yes. Where you kind of, you kind of sound like a bell. I want to sound yes. like a like a chiming church bell. But I'm also trying to think, focus on the background uh, vocals and how they do just like so seamlessly form the bridge between the lead vocals and the uh, instrumental backing tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other Supreme, who I haven't talked about a lot, Florence Ballard. Uh, Mary says that at one point, Florence has such a strong voice that she has mm-hmm. to record like 20 feet away from the oh, microphone. God. 20 feet from stardom. 20, literally 20 feet from stardom. It's, I don't know. They, it's, all oh, these, these songs are lovely, but I just feel, I just feel bad for Mary because like for so long, for years and years, she kind of thought like I'll eventually. We'll, we'll we'll recalibrate and we'll and be I'll like be an able equal to sing trio. Some songs, yeah. So she did at this point in the mid sixties. She did have a song "Come and Get These Memories," mm-hmm. which she sings on lead, so we can actually hear Mary. Oh, great! Obviously, like this song wasn't a hit, um, but it's nice that she got this to is sing off on of lead. The Supremes a go go. <laughs> Obviously, I like it. It's a deeper, richer voice. Mm-hmm. It is just so. It's like uncanny to hear these songs with like the different voice forefront. You yeah, know? I think the maybe the thing that Mary doesn't quite get at in her shade toward Diana is that Diana might have not necessarily had a better voice, but she had a more distinctive voice. It is. It's true. And there's a, perhaps a reason why Barry, besides the fact that he was he was stooping her, yes. uh, chose her as the lead because it's not always about who has the best voice. It's who has the, mo- the yeah. voice that makes them sound like the Supremes. Right. It is. But I think she has a lovely voice, and I feel bad that she lost her confidence yeah. after... After so many times getting denied the lead. Yeah, I mean, I guess what you would want from this thing is even if there was a, or from something like this, is that even if there was a a singular star that to fill out, I mean, I know albums and and releases work differently, but that to fill out all the releases that there would be different versions and different types of songs that people could highlight. I would imagine that her song, her voice might work better on like a ballad. A ballad. And she says that too in her book. She's like, I was like, when we first started, I was like the ballad girl. Yes. And I thought I was going to continue to be the ballad girl. I could could imagine her singing slow and soulfully very well. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) This time in the mid 60s, also Mary notes that the Supremes got a sponsorship deal for a brand called White Bread. (laughs) Just White Bread. White Bread. White Bread. From the Supremes. <laughs> and they were kind of like, people were like, she, she's like, I don't know why people got so mad, but I guess, <laughs> but I guess in retrospect, it did seem a bit weird that we were, we were repping white bread. Yes. Um, and like, she does note this sort of complicated space that the Supremes exist in where they're basically like, it's at a time when obviously like there's a lot of 
racial fucking tension in Mm -hmm. the world. And the Supremes basically have to be the classy black group. They're crossover stars. Yes. And they have, they are holding themselves and Motown is holding them to a higher standard. Right. Um, Which she, she recounts meeting the Beatles Mm -hmm. and um, how like they kind of have this like very low key night hanging out with the Beatles and this, they seem kind of bored. And later she catches up with George like years later. And George was like, we were expecting you guys to be like wilder. And she's like, no, like we were told, like we had to, hold it together because we were representing the black community, the black community uh, yes. which is kind of an insane thing to, yes. to have to do. I was like, this is a little rude of George to be like, wow, we thought you guys were going to be like wow. wild, crazy black women. <laughs> okay, George. Sure. Whatever. Um, <laughs> they, uh, yes. So they do white bread. Uh, it's around this time. Like Florence Flo starts drinking more. She's gaining weight. Uh, she's kind of like letting letting things go, mm-hmm. and Mary realizes that she's basically trying to just like drop out of the group. She's oh, okay. trying to like phase herself out of the group because she's not happy. She's depressed. Um, and then there's also rumors swirling that Diana is going to go solo. Uh, Mary observes this and she said she looks at Flo and she says, "With one look at Flo, I knew that dreams don't die. People just stop dreaming." Oh wow, that's yeah. that's a uh uh. uh. An intense line. One yeah. of the one of the more intense ones that I think I've heard from. Yeah, these. yeah. So Flo eventually she she leaves. She mm-hmm. quits. She's replaced by uh, a woman named Cindy Birdsong. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good name. She's cute. Yeah. Um, at this time, so Mary's shook because you know Flo is kind of her ally, mm-hmm. and now she's gone. And at this point, Mary considers herself kind of the only person trying to maintain the supreme, the dream of the, the Supremes, Supremes. Right, right, right. While you know Diana could be going off to solo stardom any day now. Right. Um. She, Diana, in an interview, is like, "Yeah, we have, we actually have backups for um both of the backup singers. Um, <sighs> we have you know stand-ins just in case anything happens to them. Not me. I don't have a stand-in. I can't be replaced. Oh my god. And Mary was like, "Excuse, Excuse me. me? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, well, that's a hell of a way to be. Uh, have it be revealed. Yeah. That that you are are but an instrument in this in this machine. Hmm. Um, in 1967, uh, Holland, Dozier, Holland, uh, basically have a work stoppage because they are not being <laughs> they paid go on enough. A, a three man strike. They go on a three man strike, but it's an influential mm-hmm. strike because they got the hits, baby. Yes. And um, that actually results in like literally two decades of lawsuits between um, Motown and and HDH, uh, which are like, you know, they can basically never record with Motown or under their own names for for years and years and years and so no more hits for the supremes like right. they, they lose their 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 hit generation yeah guys they're hit boys well um, you know what uh when we just started talking about motown like 40 minutes ago uh should have paid them more these things can be fixed yeah yes with fair salaries and benefits shocking mm-hmm. um so much for holland dozier holland you know that magnetic field song? No. Um, is that one of their fifty love songs? It's one of their sixty-nine love songs. Sixty-nine. Nice. <laughs> uh, this is a really good song. Wait, I'm gonna actually play a little bit of this. I'm gonna see if I can find this line. This is this from the second verse of the death of Ferdinand de Saussure. Titular. Here we go. 
You don't know anything. Cool. It's a good song. I, I really like this one. That's what I first thing I think about when I hear the words Holland does your Holland. Yeah. So I knew I had to play it sometime during this recording. Nice. I'm I'm glad you got that got got that in there. Sixty nine. Nice. Love songs. <laughs> By the Magnetic Fields. Good album. Listen to it if you get a chance. <laughs> um when Mary insists on taking a well earned vacation. The Supremes record the song Love Child without her. Oh, God damn it. So it, they basically get to a point where she's in the Supremes. But they're recording she's wearing hits. the outfit. She's on the stage. She's filling at the triangle. But they're just recording songs without her, which reminds me of Ronnie Spector once yeah. again, where, you know, they were the Ronettes, but sometimes they, they just, you know, would have random, random singers. People, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, she's feeling disposable. And this is the point in which the band becomes a corporation and not a band, yep. which is another classic hallmark of and intro. Yep. It's a, it's an idea. It's a vessel. Yeah. It's not it's the an people. LLC. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, also by this point in the book, I was just on a personal note. Uh, I, I, I took this book out of the, uh, the library mm-hmm. on, on a Kindle and the page, percentages were creeping by and i was like oh my god when is this going to be over she's also just name dropping every famous person she meets ever a lot of hot goss uh and i wouldn't even say the goss is hot it's just not it's just naming people she was just being like by the time she was like oh yeah the princess of sweden was so lovely <laughs> i was like i am so over this i'm sure she was great that's literally her job to be lovely <laughs> If you're not lovely as like a, a crown princess of a Scandinavian really country, up. you what are you what are you even doing? Yes. Um, so I then figured out at this point, I'm like, oh, there's two volumes, there's two books what? in this. There's um there's Dream Girl and then there's uh, a second book where she talks about her her solo career and her life kind of re- truly rebuilding. Okay. So we're only reading, but I was like, I can't do this. I yeah, can't yeah. read like 700 pages. That's a Game lot of, of Thrones Wilson. level. Mary Wilson. Oh, wow. No disrespect to Mary. Love you, Mary. Um, I feel for you, but it was just a lot. So uh, the Supremes as, as one knows it uh, basically comes to an end as Diana fully is ready to launch her solo career. And um, they play their last show Mary says there were no goodbyes or good lucks, not even a hug. We could have done those things, but we both knew it would have been a farce. We had said our farewells long before this. Oh, that's so grim. That's really grim. Yeah. Um, so Diana leaves. Mary keeps the Supremes going for a little bit with, um, Cindy Birdsong, And then they replace Diana with someone else, I guess. Yeah. Um, but Florence Ballard dies of a heart attack at the age of 32. Wow. Um, and so the, she ends, Mary ends the book, uh, at her funeral, which Diana attends, um, and creates this sort of like impromptu moment of silence that she's like, me and Mary want to do this. And Mary's like, I haven't talked to you. Why are you saying that we're doing this together? And Mary also points out, she's like, Diana's got a diva, the funeral she's sucking up all the air in the goddamn room that sucks and she also says that the organist plays um someday we'll be together which is a supreme song that neither i nor florence had sang on holy shit so just like bungled 
bungled memories. I'm sorry, but the, I mean, I know that this is kind of the point of this, but this does make Diana Ross come off as a bit of a prick. I know. And I think I I would be interested in hearing Diana in Diana's, Diana's own side words. Of, the story of just showing up to her, her, her original bandmate's funeral and being like, let's play a Supreme's number. No, not one that she's on. One of my favorites. Yes. One of my favorites that maybe makes me think of her. Yes. Or that has a vaguely funereal theme. <laughs> I'm also imagining like a, any Supreme song being played on like a church pipe organ. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Just really, oh, really, really drawing slow. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and poor Mary, like she, she was really close with Flo and, you know, things kind of fell apart and I'm, I'm sure she was just like this fucking funeral. It's just, just a like, cherry on top of fucking do it. Stop. It's a funeral. Yeah. It's a just funeral. Be chill. Um, she said, how did these talented little girls come to this? When did our dream die? And what else could I have done to help Flo? I finally threw my flower down on Flo's coffin. Don't worry, Flo, I said aloud because I knew she could hear me. I'll take care of it. And then I repeated one of Flo's favorite lines from our happy days. Honey, we is terrific. Aww. And that's how she ended it. And then and then there was another book. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe someday we'll come back to book two of Mary Wilson. I'll take I'll take a rest. Let's have a nap and a then nap, I'll, yes. I'll get on to Mary Wilson part two. Oh, uh, wow. That's a lot of Supremes. It's a lot of Supremes. I mean, meteoric rise. Yes. And then just well, they like, kind of, they kind of had to slog it out. It's true. They were not overnight yeah. successes. They, they worked it took for some it. time, but then it was like you know, like turning on a faucet. Yeah. Well, again, it's like the thing they were saying at the beginning is that you know they had like four golden years. Yeah. Um, in which it all went down. Yeah. Um, but it does sound like the kind of thing where perhaps the original formulation was never stable, or perhaps it was derailed by one, you know, ambitious mm-hmm. person. I yeah. mean, I think we'd have to get the other side of the story to really uh, uh, say for certain. Diana, call us. <laughs> Do you want, if you want to go Third on the record, we would, we would we would love to have you. <laughs> um, yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I, I do really like the these books that are the perspectives of the f- people from the the like very early days of rock and roll. I think that Ronnie Spector is a, all of her stories have really stuck with me. Yeah, and it is because. All these things when the industry around pop music was like still very solidifying where people didn't really know what they're doing and were like, go to Germany and like record a phonetic German no record rules. or something. Yeah, exactly. It's no like rules. Just right. Yeah. Well, not right at all. Yeah. yeah. And continuing to never, ever be right ever. Be- yeah. Because this the entire pop music industry is an entire history of, of sometimes wonderful and sometimes awfully bungled lives. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I feel like every time that you could potentially smooth things out uh, with how, you know, work and labor are supposed to yeah. be uh, like the format of music, the music business changes just, so and, drastically yeah. and, like, and then the rules whole, start over. Yeah, swath of people become irrelevant as like a whole new exploitable group of people become yeah. suddenly exploitable. Who, who knows what kind of weird back, Backroom deals are happening with people like trying fucking, to manage SoundCloud rappers. Or it's right going to be like a fucking fleet of programmers who are making music in like another ten years, where it's going to be like a, a call center 
full of like Bangladeshi coders who are the like next big pop star. Yeah. And we have no idea how to process like that, how that works as like a talent factory. Right. Or you have like, you know, people like Chance the Rapper who are just like, I'm not going to sign to a label and I'm just going to make some rent to this whole this whole garbage industry six million dollars selling hats and then give three million of that to the Chicago public (laughs) school system. That is my model of being a music star. Chance gets it. 2018. Uh, Yeah. 50% 50% tax on on uh, on that all that merch money and and tour money. Yeah. Um, And then give give the music to the people for free. Um, Speaking of not to tease too much, but we have something coming up that hopefully will touch more directly with the nature of labor in pop music, which is interesting. Very interesting. So uh, that's something that we're working on coming up. Yes. But do you have any more thoughts on the Supremes for this? The only other thought that I have is that obviously the uh, the musical and then the movie musical Dream Girls were loosely, very loosely sli- based. slash tightly based on the Supremes. Did you get it? Because this is called Dream Girl. Did you get any money for this? For money from Dream Girls? Yeah. Was this optioned for? Oh, I don't know. I feel like they have to say that it was, you know, no, any any portrayal based on people real or, or alive or dead is merely coincidence because um diana ross was not happy about dream girls both yeah. the movie and the musical um not stoked because it did not necessarily portray her or her career in like a flattering way um mary wilson loves dream girls yes big because, fan yes. went to the premiere i believe um which means that she's probably hung out with beyonce which is which is chill mm-hmm. and cool um so I think, you know, that that tells you everything is like Dream Girls was supposed to be sort of the untold story. Yes, yes, yes. Um No, it, I we got it reversed. Dream Girls the Broadway play mm-hmm. came out in 1981. Mary Wilson saw it on Broadway, loved it so much that she, she called okay. her memoir Dream Girl. Great. Correct, so that's Correct the record. That's cool. Yes. I mean, she's I just I think she will we'll definitely have to to revisit Mary because I think she's thriving. She's on Twitter uh, and she's <laughs> seems to be somewhat somewhat uh, current on Twitter, too. So does she does she do like Trump jokes and stuff? She I feel like she probably like retweets, uh, you know, yeah. good, good opinions or opinions that she thinks are good. Um, any any final thoughts for you? No, I other than that, I think that these are these stories are always really interesting. And yeah, um, you know, I've I've tremendous sympathy and empathy for the people that that pioneered the way that we listen to music and the music that makes the the music that makes the music that we have possible you yes know? yes yeah um and they were just straight up grinding for and years ch- and years and children years. yes and children yes. um and yeah no and i hope that she Wild. still has those fucking mirrors on her ceiling I hope she does too. Yes. I and I hope she has a, a bearskin rug. Yes. She also um, she, her she style a, sense also, honestly sound, sounds awesome. The last last thing I will say is that she had a long affair with Tom Jones. Hell yes. Hell yes. Get that couple. Top couple. <laughs> Tom Jones was married. Um that did not seem to bother her. I mean sure. it eventually did bother her because he was married. He was married, but at the time at, it was it was a it was a fun sexy time for Mary Wilson and Tom Jones. Um, so that, that's, that's cool. Get it, get it, Mary, get it, Mary. All right. Well, let's move confidently into the end of this episode. Uh, I don't really have any other uh, business to plug, uh, 
now uh, I'm back from tour. We're just going to really hunker down and focus on content here at the and introducing factory. Uh, we have a bunch of fun ideas coming up soon. So hopefully you guys yes. who are listening will stick around and enjoy. Uh, watch this space. Watch this space. Watch this space. Yeah. Do it's going to be a fun autumn. Yeah. Do you have anything, Molly? Um, I would say, you know, follow me on Instagram at the Molly Zone. Some fun things in the works. I like to a, a new fun hobby of mine is filming live music. So there's some stuff in there based on that. And you should watch it and, you know, throw it a little, a tiny red heart. Yes. Which uh, is, as we all know, represents the like. The like. <laughs> the international symbol of the like. Yeah. I know a few things that Molly has shot uh, that I can't wait to see the footage of. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Uh, as for us... <laughs> You can follow us on Twitter at <laughs> and Intropod. You can follow me on Twitter at say what again. You can follow me on Twitter at Miss Molly Mary. And you can follow Mary Wilson on Twitter at <laughs> M Wilson Supreme. <laughs> Send if us you're going to follow any, any one of us, follow, follow her. her. Yeah, yeah. She, she deserves oh, it. She only has 2,196 followers. I'm going to follow her right now. Shit, I will too. Uh, and you can send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com or, and on SoundCloud. <laughs> and our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, if you have a second, you just go to iTunes and subscribe or rate, review, subscribe, do all that shit. I, I haven't actually sincerely asked for that in a while. But, uh, you know, if you like what you heard, uh, I guess that helps people find us. But always, as always. Tell a friend. Yeah. Tell a friend. And tell a friend. Got friend friends? Even one if you, if you got have a friend. One to friend tell them. Uh, yeah. 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 Tell them to uh stop in the name of love before you rate, review, and subscribe to this pod. Yeah. Uh stop in the name of pod. Stop pod in the name of cast. Pod in the name of cast. Where pod are casco. <laughs> you can't pod hurry love. you can't hurry pod you, can't you hurry just pod. have to wait two weeks for the oh, next God. episode it's really late where we are uh we <laughs> should sign off uh <laughs> we'll be back in another two weeks with another story of uh music and words uh but see you next time on and introducing